millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Annie Chin. Hi, Shannon. We're back doing these four walls. This feels great. We're back. We're I know, reunited. it's been a while, right? Have you missed me? I've missed you. I mean, I've seen you a bit on the magazine, but I have missed you in podcast form. I know, form. we can't <laughs> deny that we actually sit next to each other, so you can't have missed me that much. <laughs> but you've missed me a bit. You've missed seeing my face behind this microphone. Yeah, I've missed seeing your face obscured by a big black microphone, for sure. So, but I mean, we're back for season two. Season two. That's exciting, isn't it? I know. We're going to be as big as the OC. It's like that's seasons like stranger things <laughs> wow we're claiming it <laughs> uh so for season two to kick off we thought we'd do something really exciting so annie why don't you tell everyone where we are i know we've we're not in the asos office i don't know if you can hear but it's quite noisy because there's a bit of a buzz going on we're at women of the world festival at the south bank center in london yeah so we're going to be doing all sorts of things we're going to play some of the talks we're going to interview people we're going to go to panels yeah we're going to go around and we're going to grab some people to talk to there's so many interesting people down here so Shannon, should we get on with it? Yeah, let's you go. You can't say let's go to the fashion cupboard. No, let's go find someone to talk to us about women in the world, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so we've managed to grab B. Holly. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is here? Yeah, so my name's B. I'm a participation producer at South Bank Centre. So that means that I programme events across the whole of the site, so that could be indoors or outdoors. My work is mainly about bringing in people who might not ordinarily access what we do here at South Bank Centre. And specifically about WOW, why we're here today, can you tell us a little bit about what the festival is and the history behind it? Yes, so Women of the World Festival was set up seven years ago by Jude Kelly, who is our artistic director here at Southbank. Um, she was having lots of conversations at the time around um, why there was still a need for feminism, um, despite the fact that there had been so many years of fighting for equal pay, fighting for different things. Yeah. Um, we still weren't quite there. So she felt that there was the need to set up a a festival to explore some of those ideas. Um, It was the centenary of International Women's Day, and so Ju decided at that point she wanted to set up the festival. Um, There are now wow festivals in 20 cities over five continents wow that's amazing yeah wow (laughs) Um, and this weekend alone as well as having the wow festival in london the kind of mothership festival we have a wow festival in hull so the capital of culture this year and we also had the first uh, wow in finland this year as well 
And there's so much going on right here. We've just been walking around and there's a market over there, loads of talks and panels. Um, what specifically, in your opinion, what's so, what's so great about Women of the World Festival? Well, I don't want to get too negative, but I think that the festival is still definitely needed. There's still a massive gender pay gap. We recently received a study by Girl Guiding UK, and they found this amazing statistic that 69% of girls aged 7 to 21 felt that they weren't good enough. So all of these things coalescing... And the fact that we have world leaders who are legitimising misogyny and sexism, we here at WOW Festival and all of our partners and artists feel that it's still very much needed. So the festival is happening over the course of however many days at the moment, but if people want to get involved or hear about things that are happening, say, post the festival, how can they do that? So we are going to be filming some of our major talks here at WOW. So... um, On Saturday, we also have the incredible African-American civil rights activist, Angela Davis. So excited about that one. Very (laughs) exciting. You know, I think we could have sold sold out Royal Festival Hall three times over. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we know a lot of people haggling for tickets on that one. We are actually live streaming that to a different room in the building, so if anybody's here, they can come and see it. But it's that idea of, you know, what this year has sparked. People are really excited about activism. So Angela Davies and we also have Chimamanda Adichie, the author. So those two talks will be filmed and they will be put on our website after WOW. Um, in addition to that, we'd love people to visit the Southbank Centre and WOW websites. Um, we are programming WOW throughout the year. Uh, this year we have WOWs in lots of different places, so um, as well as... Bradford this year. We also have one in Chester, in Exeter, in Perth, as well as the Bradford Festival. So we're constantly programming, we're constantly looking for ideas, for partners, for amazing organisations campaigning for women's rights. So please do look at our website. We also do a really interesting thing at Southbank Centre called Thinkings. So oh, yeah, I've read about where people can get involved and sort of suggest what they want to see as part of the programme as well. Yeah, exactly. So kind of offering the, the floor out to different people who might have different ideas of what they'd like to see in WOW because, you know, we're a small programming team and we can't possibly know everything that everybody would like to see. So we'd love to invite people to take part in Thinkings and just to get in touch through the website, to send us ideas. It really is the partners that makes WOW what it is. You've got us super excited now for WOW, so we're going to go off and see some talks. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much for talking to us, B. Thank you. So that was B. I'm really excited now about what's coming up over the weekend. I know, it's going to be so fun. She's given us loads of tips about what to expect. So basically, we're going to go around and try and grab a few people to speak to after their panel talks, their performances... I think there's a couple of poetry performances that we want to speak mm-hmm. to the people doing that. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, we should have loads of interviews. And we're also going to be speaking to people in the crowd, people who've turned up today, tomorrow. And we're just going to be asking them, who's their women of the world? OK, so we've stumbled across an amazing zine stand. Can you introduce yourself and tell us what you're up to? Of course, yeah. Um, so my name is Nelly Rose, um, Nelly Rose, and I'm a designer doing mainly women's wear and textiles. But we are doing Global, which is a new project um, providing kind of a platform for global connectivity between women. 
Um, so today at WOW Festival we're inviting people to come and draw themselves as a paper doll and we're going to make one long connecting zine which will be available and you can search it at Global Zine. So cool. Okay, we're asking everyone we come across today who their kind of, basically who your woman of the world is. So whether that's someone who's kind of been a mentor figure or a friend or someone who's speaking maybe across the weekend. Who's a woman that you can talk about who you just think is amazing? Um, two people. I would say, firstly, is my mum, who has brought me up, and I'm sure a lot of people say this, because, um, yeah, it makes you aware of the strength of what one person can do. Um, but also Meryl Streep, because I think she is an absolute badass and uses her position of celebrity to do good. Hi, I'm Georgina, and I work for an arts charity in London, um, and the woman who inspires me is Hillary Clinton, because... Um, during the American election, she stayed graceful under an unbelievable amount of fire, and um, she has shown through the years that she is adaptable and willing to change as the times change around her. Okay, so the woman I'm going to choose is Viola Davis because I think the way that she turned her career around is so inspirational. She's a dark-skinned black woman with natural hair who started her career in what most actresses and actors are told are, is too late in their day. Um, she's the wrong colour, she's the wrong look, she's been told she looks too masculine, her acting is overdramatic, um, that she's um, portraying a stereotype. Um, so I think what she's done is so inspirational and the fact that she uses her platform really well to communicate and have really powerful conversations about black hair, um, black women's sexuality, um, representation. I think it's so important when she talks about diversity and inclusion on the platform that she has, it really reaches people on a wider scale. Hi, I'm Hannah Phillips. I work in politics and my woman of the world is my mum. My father died when I was young and she raised me and my sister. I think we turned out all right Um, and she's a very... um, Hi, my name is CJ and my woman of the world is Marie Curie because she was an extraordinary scientist um, who changed the world for the better. <laughs> uh, so my woman of the world is my grandmother and that perfect matriarch um, gives every time I walked into that house she had hundreds of grandchildren and she gave the same amount of love and interest to every single one of those people. Um, she had strong faith and strong views but um, un- was, would never put anyone down um, and was very welcoming and very open. And um, every time I think about her, I have the biggest smile on my face. And I do feel like sometimes when I'm at my lowest, I imagine her literally like, telling me what to do and holding me up. And uh, she's not around any longer, but yeah, she's a wonderful woman and uh, that's an amazing legacy. Hi, my name's Izzy and I work in media in central London and the woman that inspires me is my friend Holly Webb who's just won a Olympic gold medal in Rio. Um, she has now used her position um, across media, social media to encourage women in sport to get involved and um, is doing a fantastic job. Basically, um, the woman that I admire most is Angela Davis. Um, yeah, I'm going to see her tomorrow. But the reason why I admire her is because she's the one that actually got me through my education. Um, I studied criminology, so I could cite her in a lot of my essays. But she was one of the only women of colour who I feel like expressed her true opinion and wasn't scared to go against the grain and say what she felt about um, the establishment, um, especially in terms of the criminal justice system. So 
thanks to everyone who has just shared their woman of the world. Uh, Shannon and I have now been to a panel talk, which was called Women, Power and Change. And they were all discussing what one thing would make the world a fairer place for women and girls. So we're going to play you an extract. The speakers are Jude Kelly, who is the artistic director of the South Bank Centre, and Michael Kimmel, who is a professor of sociology and gender studies. And this is the key thing for me. I'm old enough to know that the gender equality movement has had fits and starts. It's come up against extraordinary things that it needed to change legislatively, and often that has been a global thing. Getting the vote is an example. And then there have been moments of action around specific themes and topics and ideas. There have also been waves, as we've called them, But in my lifetime, I don't remember a moment when the visceral energy of girls and women right across the globe is guiding them and sending them towards a space of recognizing power injustice. I don't remember that being the case before. And that, I think, presents us with a number of extraordinary opportunities, as well as things that we have to think about very deeply. I think... In WOW, we are learning language in order to help shape argument, but we have to keep on going back to the beginning of language as well with others and saying, tell me how I'm speaking of this and is this actually inadvertently a language of exclusion, even though I'm intending it to be including. So one of the uh, things I suppose I'm asking for everybody all weekend, whether you're here just for today or whether you're coming for the whole festival, which is, my God, some stamina, um, is to seek out the sessions that you are least familiar with in terms of themes and ideas. Have the courage to ask people about you know, something that would be different for them. It is absolutely, without question, true that what we know is that we cannot fully empower women and girls unless we engage boys and men. Period. Full stop. There has never been a reform that women wanted that didn't require men's support. Name one. Vote. Right? So we know we have to engage men. Why should men engage with this? Or how do we think about this? Typically, the way I think we do, we we should think about it, in fact, the only reason we we should support gender equality is because it's right because it's fair, because it's just, because it's democratic. We all know this. Um, This is, and and a really good example of this uh, is is, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada. When he became Prime Minister in 2015, many of you know this, he, um, he named half of his cabinet to be women. And he was asked by a kind of critical journalist, like, why did you do that? And his answer, some of you may remember, was because it's 2015. Because it's right, it's fair, it's just, it's normal. Right? So that is where we start. That should be our response. I hope you enjoyed that clip from Women, Power and Change. Now, over to Shannon. Okay, so I've managed to grab the amazing Gemma Kearney, uh, radio host, 
book author, panelist, activist, Gemma. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. Pretty tired. I bet. <laughs> I'm actually I not. Say, I'm really enthused. You like, are all over this festival. You're doing uh, two things, right? Do you want to fill us in? I'm doing two things. So I'm hosting a rally later on, which is free for people to come to. Because the thing is about WOW is that it sells out really quickly. Mm-hmm. But what they don't necessarily promote enough is that you can just come to the South Bank, hang out and see what's going on. You can walk through the South Bank Centre still and hear amazing stuff in the Claw Ballroom. So the rally is kind of like that. It's like anyone... You know me, I love a party, so uh, anyone's invited. And we're going to be showcasing some of the best things that are happening here at WOW. So we've got a girls rock choir. Uh, We've got June Eric Idori, who I mentor, who's an amazing writer. Well, actually, you're in ASOS magazine right now with June, aren't you? I am, yeah. (laughs) So for those of you who haven't got a copy of our latest issue, um, we did a feature on mentoring and... Yeah, Gemma's mentoring an amazing girl called June, who I think she was just in an L Activist of the Year yeah, award yeah, or something. Yeah, she, so she cool. won L Activist of the Year. She's only 18. So incredible. she's pretty impressive. I mean, the fact that I mentor her is absolutely ridiculous. She asked me, <laughs> I said yes, because it meant that I got to pick her brains, because her brain is extraordinary and way more advanced than mine. She mentors you, you mentor her. Shout out, June. Mm. <laughs> And actually, I was just about to sing, we are family, uh, because it feels like it's a bit of a family, you know, these kind That's of things so nice. where, uh, you know, I'm, we're, we're doing that in the ASOS magazine, and she's here, and I met her at WOW, you know, all these lovely Aww. kind of cycles, and that's what WOW is, it's like this ecosystem of the best women ever, uh, talking about stuff that they really, really believe in, and... You know, that engages all genders, all people, all races, and even on a global platform, that that is an inspiring thing, because WOW is now global too. Yeah, it's all over the world, and it's all over the UK as well. They're off to Bradford and all sorts of... I'm going to Hull tomorrow. Are you you doing, like, the WOW tour then? Yeah, so I basically have gone bananas, because the last few days is insane. I launched my book on Thursday. Yes, we want to talk about that. Open, a toolkit for how magic and messed up life can be. Uh, it is like a huge I love the title. bursting it's massive it weighs over a kilogram it's like giving birth <laughs> fully illustrated full colour it's divided into your heart your mind your body and soul your world and your future so it's got a lot in there Launched that on a Thursday at a big party, a right old raver. <laughs> Mel C came, yes! my party. Oh I'm my so god, happy. that's amazing! <laughs> Literally, I'm so happy. And then got on the train this morning, put on my sequins, and here she is. And it's my third official launch. So after I've done the rally this afternoon. I'm going to be in conversation with one of my favourite women, Lauren Laverne, in the Royal Festival Hall. And I cannot wait to see her. And you guys have known each other for ages, haven't Mm. you? How did you first meet? I was thinking about this earlier, and I feel like I owe Lauren a lot. She's so generous with her kind of spirit and fun and wisdom and... She's, she's really a, an open person, like. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about when we first met, and it, I thought it was Glastonbury, because I, when I first started working at Glastonbury, that was part of the BBC family, it was very overwhelming, because I was just, like, a little gangly, like, 24-year-old being asked to do live telly at Glastonbury, which I... Glastonbury was my favourite festival, but I used to be, like, rolling around it, let alone, yeah. like, <laughs> I've got a microphone and I'm here as a roving <laughs> reporter. And she was always so funny and cool to hang out with a little we have like a makeup Winnebago Lauren Laverne is one of the badassest chicks in broadcast oh 
<laughs> that is so nice. It sounds like you've always been surrounded by loads of amazing women, and now you're also, you know, you've been mentored by people like Lauren Laverne, and now you're going on to do it with people like June. Who else do you want to shout out? Well, the thing in is, in the spirit of wow, the secret is that women are amazing. Oh, it's no secret. Like, <laughs> but like all, all women have such amazing, complex, brilliant selves you know like they just everyone's different uh, everyone's got different things to offer and I love that and I and I, I think you know in terms of shout out obviously Lauren is loved by many June is an up-and-coming star and that's I feel so privileged and so humble in my life that I've met like my heroes and people that I think mm. are just truly incredible but I do also believe that your heroes are in your best mates they're in your family they're in your workplace they're in your place of education you know like look around stick together be kind to each other and always big up and your your female mates and your female family members there are so many awesome women like in my book there's like a page that you can just write your idols and I did the same I, I did it on one page and then on the other page you can write in your own and Was it's that like important f- to you that it's quite interactive the book? Yeah I really yeah. wanted people to be able to just even though it's really colourful and got loads of personality I wanted people to feel like they could totally get involved in the party Aww. and yeah so the idols is like a firework of idols so I got the illustrator to just leave gaps so imagine if you like you could just have like a a firework with people's names and um, in there I've got like the slits who I found like later so really cool. like I didn't really I wasn't into them like years ago but I got dragged up on stage one night when Ari Up who uh, was the lead singer of the slits was still alive and she got all these girls up on stage at a festival and I was like dancing around like these girls are incredible and I've since met Viv Albertine and um, I've kind of followed like their history because just the fact that they were just such progressive punks in a really male time, basically, yeah. they definitely became some some people that I was so interested in. Like, um, um, yeah, like X-ray specs. It kind of leads on after that, and that. So, yeah, yeah the Valve team would definitely be on my firework. Yeah, she's incredible. <laughs> so the slits are in there. Erica Badu, oh queen, who is just a queen. <laughs> and if you don't know who Erica Badu is, loads of you that do will be like, of course, she's the best person mm. in the world. But if you don't, you just need to seek her out like ASAP because her tunes are banging firstly and then you'll just get totally lured into like Badoo world and you'll yeah. become a Badooist and recently it was the 11 <laughs> years of her of the, her debut not 11 I don't know where 11 came from 20 20 years of her her album Badooism the first album and the reason why I said 11 is because I interviewed her in 2011 Aww. and we we remade the doc that we originally made and it was so nice to just like go back to that fangirlness and just realise just how epic she is. She's like a doula and has supported and assisted like the birth of over forty babies. What? I she, knew there's that. just so many things about this woman. That is crazy. She's one of those people who you don't understand how she doesn't run out of time. She does so much. <laughs> She's incredible. Oh, that's so cool. I read an interview with her child, her son, with Andre 3000, and he was saying. He was like, my parents are just so weird. It's amazing. I love how weird they are. I really am fighting to not be that weird for like my one day kids, but I feel like I am going to be there. No, it's an amazing quality. Oh, I love that. Um, so what else is in your book? So you've talked about it's kind of interactive, so it's split into these sections. Like, where did the idea come from? How did you... Because it's such a big task, right? How did you deal with it? The thing is, I really love chatting and communicating and I really love people. <laughs> so I've been spending a lot of years like 
clogging up with like the fact that some things are really upsetting and unjust. And one of those things was that I felt like there was becoming more and more of a disconnect with the younger generation and adults and that we were just all being overwhelmed and that, you know, the facts where you, where you look at statistics of mental health issues soaring and you think about what's going on politically on a global scale. So I went into schools. Just a lot of the projects I do are kind of... This sounds really, really annoying and pretentious, but they're quite organic. So I was here at Southbank Centre for Day of the Girl. They do pod montouring on the on the wheel on the Southbank, so the huge Millennium Wheel. Pod they, montouring? So you go in the pod, yeah, and then you have two minutes to chat to an amazing schoolgirl. That's so cool. And, like, my pod had a female pilot in there. Oh. Zandra Rhodes. That's incredible. Dorno Porter. And then every, all the girls, like, had, like, five minutes of us, and we just, like, looked over the whole of London wow. and chatted. And Beautiful. I felt so happy to speak to some of the young girls that day. And even though I've been on Radio 1 for a long time, I said to Jude, like, I feel so inspired today. I was like, I, I have a platform where I speak to over a million people every week on Radio 1 Weekend Breakfast Show, but I don't feel like I'm actually, like, get, like having a conversation. Like, I'm speaking, it's like, one to way, them. Yeah. Like, it's nice when we get callers and stuff, but, like, I want to just get out there. I said, will you commission my production company to make a short film where I go to schools all around the country, just almost as a research project, yeah. to find out, like, what, what, what was really, like, what was affecting young women? And I just devised a really, really simple workshop workshop to have a conversation. And what came out of it was just so igniting. Stuff that you'd expect, but also just how articulate, amazing, yeah. engaged, cool, funny, smart these women were, young women, and they just didn't necessarily seem to realise. And there were certain subject matters that I felt like they never got the opportunity to talk about. So stuff like, some of it's quite serious, you know, like some year nine students talking for an hour about self-harm and how it was such a phenomenon in their school and they were really worried about it. The teacher never even knew that that was going on. Academic pressure, mm. mental health issues, perfectionism, body image. And I, it, it was what I expected, but it was worse. Right. And I, le- and I left feeling, it? It was, what, was, what was amazing was the conversation. The fact that we got to open up, like, they would email me and say, it's, we talked all afternoon about some of the stuff that you, we brought up together. And then we directed the film so that it's not me, like, on a sense of discovery. It was about the girls. It's called Wow Now. Damn and you can boys. find it on YouTube. Just put Wow Now, Gemma Kearney. It's Check seven it minutes. And the girls are so cool. And uh, <laughs> after that, I was like, I have to do something. I don't know what it's going to be yet. So I started doing kind of think tanks with amazing women that I know. I had an office above a pub in North London <laughs> and I invited like an MP Joe Swinson who was a Lib wow. Dem MP at the time came to this gig venue in an afternoon I put on a platter and we did like some brainstorming you know it wasn't there was lots of different women there were creative women poets but governmental people that put together This Is England people that do global stuff around the world like empowering women in Africa and we just we just kept trying to come up with what the thing was like what could we do what could we do to make people feel more empowered? And then just all of a sudden, that same pub, I saw someone that I knew uh, who had helped my friend get a book deal. And I said, and at the same time, like, I was turning 30, and I was being very reflective about my 20s and my life and things I wish I could have told myself and how many experiences that I had. And I just was like, I've got this idea, like, I think I want to write a book to my younger self. 
and there's all, it's not just to me because there's so many things going on that are new and that I'm really worried about. And then uh, Macmillan were the ones, like they were my crew. Like they let me talk about the bus from the first meeting. <laughs> and then it just, we started to build it. I call it building a book rather than writing it because it's just such a collaboration. Yeah. Like, I've interviewed people in there. I, I commissioned people to write certain excerpts so there's stuff that I didn't know about. I got organisations to contribute. You know, the illustrations are in their own right incredible like, and phenomenal. So it's so many different things. But it was, a, it was painstaking. It took me a year. It felt like I was giving birth. I cried a lot. My heart hurt a lot because I care about oh. it so much. And now it's here. And it's out. So it's, it's out now. now. <laughs> Gemma, thank you so much. We're so excited to read it and cover to cover. And oh, we thank you for letting it. me spill my guts, my thank beans. I've got you. a lot to say. But I'm really, really, really excited and proud. And anyone listening, like, welcome to Team Open. Like, it really, it's going to be fun. Oh, big well done. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Okay, so I'm joined by the amazing Tanya D, who's literally just got off stage, as in you were performing about three minutes ago, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. How are you feeling? That was amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm sweaty. My hands are very sweaty. Um, good. Um, yeah, but like pumped, like, you know, when you come off stage and like, ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm really, uh, oh, I bet. So, I'm in a good mood, yeah. Good, good. Yeah. So, Tanya is one of three stars in Offside. Can you tell us a little bit about the play? Yeah, sure. So, Offside is um, a play about women's football. Um, it tells a story of uh, Mickey and Keely, who are rivals at the start but become friends at the end. And um, it's basically about their struggle to get onto mm-hmm. the England team, to be pitched for the women's uh, England team. And uh, it covers many things to do with, you know, what, what women might go through to try and get on the team and amongst other things like there's loads of loads of issues yeah it's really interesting because you kind of cover different centuries don't you yeah. and like all how uh, women have used football as this kind of resistance for a really long time was there anything interesting that you learn about it any like historical players that really inspired you yeah so um I don't want to say too much, but basically, <laughs> um, yeah. So th- there's one character that we, I play called Carrie as well, and she she's based on a real person from 1881. Um, she's called Carrie Boosted. She was the first female black Scottish footballer uh, that's been recorded. So for me, that it's was amazing. like a huge, yeah. Being I am mixed race, so yeah. for me, I was like, wow, this is amazing. So when I researched about it, you know, in that time, just you know, so many things. She's black. Yeah, she's, she's a woman. You know, the, what, the culture, the social class system at that time was just so. Researching that was amazing, and yeah, it was, that, that's yeah. been one of my favourite things. She learning sounds about her. really she's a badass, powerful, powerful woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, this is your part of a group called Futures Theatre. Yeah. How did you discover them? Can you tell me a little bit about Future? Future? Futures? 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 <laughs> yeah. How did I discover Futures? Yeah. Um, they're quite well. They're a well-known theatre company. Mm-hmm. Um, they're. Yeah, they're quite well established. I personally have been following them for, for like about five or six years now, um, so I was quite over the moon to be working with them. Um, and how I got involved was I saw Sabrina Mafuz, who was the writer of the play. She put an article on Twitter. I read the blurb and I was like, ah, this is this is me. Like this is a play about. I'd love to do this play. She's literally writing a play about me, and I want to do it. Um, so I wrote to them. They said, uh, you know, come and have an audition. Um, uh, and that's it really I got involved with them and Caroline's been amazing they're a great great theatre company all of their work is um, to promote fairness for women and girls Um, you know know, that's that's what they're about really so this play is, is perfect for them yeah yeah now you show again don't want to give too much away but 
you do some pretty cool footy skills in the play. Had yeah. you ever played football before? No. Did, no. did the no. rehearsal involve a lot of learning about the, the game? Yeah, it did. Um, I yes. wish I could so play we've football. So had a really extensive like two-hour session every morning Sick. with a ball <laughs> and um, and training hard. Like we come out, we're sweating by twelve o'clock between you know ten and twelve. Um, and yeah, we do do lots of uh, football training, and we've had someone come in, really amazing guy called Kemu, who's come in and showed us what to do with the ball and just so cool. spent a lot of time doing it and it was really frustrating at first because it's hard like for me coming from a dancing background as well I'm quite on my feet and up and la 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 and football is very grounded and you've got to be really focused the detail the the stuff that I didn't even think about like you know just to how to stop a ball which sounds really simple but it's not it's like whoa I got yeah not when it's going at high speed it wiggles around everywhere yeah so and you've got to really like focus and be in the zone with it it's like yeah you have to really connect with it and that that's been that's another learning experience for us all I think yeah so So. you're an actress and dancer I'm sure you've performed at loads of amazing places what's cool about putting on Offside for Women of the World what's nice about doing it at this particular festival oh so uh, it's funny because I read a tweet this morning that was just uh, it's a funny tweet that just said um uh, aha, so happy to be surrounded by feminists for a whole week. And, um, <laughs> I mean, that's quite a strong statement, but, you know, I think people know when they see WOW what to expect. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a festival that empowers women. And yeah. uh, it's, you know, to educate everyone, men, women, children. Like, I looked around the play, there's loads of, well, there's a few men, there's lots of children. There's a little baby in the front yeah, row. Yeah, a little baby in the front. <laughs> and um, it's really nice that, you know, this is where we are now, is that we're trying to educate in a different way. And, you know, the South Bank and WOW are, are, are um, throwing it, you know, trying to pull people in to educate about, you know, fairness, equality. Yeah. Because it's still a, a huge subject. We're yeah, not, of course. You know, there's still a way to go. Yeah, there's still a way to go. There's still a long way to go. So the play you know ref- definitely reflects that where we've yeah, where yeah, we're coming yeah, from really and where we are now and actually we do still still have a long way to go and how can people get involved if they're not a women of the world right now because meta but the performance has just finished what have you guys got coming up so what are the shows that's coming yeah. up yeah so we uh, we've got two weeks of rehearsal left um, and then we are going i think we've got harrogate first and then mm-hmm. we're omnibus so the best thing to do is to go online go onto the futures theatre website have uh-huh. a look on there all the dates are on there and just get in touch get involved tweet us say hi to us on social media that's Perfect. the best thing to do well, yeah come everyone, and see the show yeah everyone needs yeah. to get down and come see and it, see it yeah. and now Tanya you're going to give us a little taster aren't you yes so we have persuaded Tanya to perform a little bit from the play for us can you just give a little kind of whereabouts does this happen what's just happened a little bit of context okay so Mickey and Keely um, they have a big match tomorrow Sadly, Keely's not quite in the zone. And um, Mickey's quite a strong character. She doesn't like to show vulnerability. But at this point, she's trying to say, right, Keely, you've got to snap out of this. We've got a big match tomorrow. Here is something that I'm afraid of. So I won't read all of it because I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> but I'll, I'll read up to a point, yeah. Perfect, let's do it. Cool. They remind me. Remind me that it's never just the game. The scrutiny... The questions. I always knew what people would say about me. The way I look, what I wear, my hair, the way I talk, my build. So manly. My body. I thought it would break me. Seeing my body on screen. Being talked about. Being seen. When I hear them bringing how I look, how any of us look, but especially me, when I hear them bringing that into it, I feel sick. 
physically sick. It will never just be about our play. Not in our lifetime anyway. But I'm doing it. Because we have to. We owe it to others who come before us, who put us before themselves. We owe it to ourselves. Oh, thanks, thanks. I've got goosebumps. That's amazing. Tanya, thank you so much for coming oh, and chatting welcome. with us. Everyone, get down and see Offside. Thanks. Right, so Tanya's left me to go and play some more football, and we're going to be hearing from another panel talk. So this talk is called Women, Mental Health and the Art of Feeling Better. Uh, and you're going to hear Adwa Aboa, who is this incredible model and also founder of Girls Talk, an online platform where women can come together and share their feelings and their experiences. Uh, the other voice you'll hear is Kerry Jenkins, and she's created something called Recharge and Resist, which is a movement of self-care for activists and campaigners. I mean, I definitely have to take a moment every now and then to realise that I must practice what I preach. Yeah. And I, I, you know, even something as simple as picking up the phone and calling a friend, I'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I haven't done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm dealing with this by myself, but I know that a lot of my struggles have always been down to codependency and finding it much easier to help others than myself. But yeah. yeah, and I don't know where that pressure comes from. Is it somewhere? Is it? Is it our own pressure, or is it something from yeah, yeah. the outside world? I don't know. Reaching out. Yeah, my my ex boyfriend always used to say this thing. He said he used to go, "Stop being mean to my girlfriend," and it was because my <laughs> my my. <laughs> <laughs> the things I used to say to myself, yeah. I would never dream of saying that to my a stranger or my, you know, a family friend or my best friend or my sister, but my head used to tell me the worst things about myself. Um, and it is still like a constant battle. I have to work every day on that self-care and that self-love, that self-love, yeah. like, most importantly. I think it's... Um when we're talking about self-care and looking after ourselves, I think it's quite important to uh, remember that that's going to look different for everyone as well. Um, Whilst a lot of people might find mindfulness useful, and I I certainly have, um, you know, when we think of self-care, we might think of a hot bath or a nice cup of tea or something, but actually it could be something which we personally wouldn't see ourselves benefiting from you know it could be going to a mixed martial arts class or something or it could be something that to other people looks like really hard work and you'll think well why are they doing that because they need to sit down and stop you know um but actually that might help someone feel better about where they are or it could just be ceasing to do anything at all um so i think that it's important that we bear in mind not to not to normatize what care looks like for mm. people and not to put judgment on people for mm. how they deal with it mm. we can help in terms of being there for them but remove remove judgment you know if it doesn't work for you that's fine but it's probably going to work for someone else So that was a clip from the panel talk, Women, Mental Health and the Art of Feeling Better. Uh, Now we've also got the help of Naomi, who's one of our writers on the magazine. She's been with us all weekend. Let's go see who she's found to talk to. Over to Naomi. Hello, 
it's Naomi here at the Women of the World Festival and I'm joined by Rachel Long um, of the Octavia Poetry Collective. Hello. Hello. How Hi. are you? Good, good. It's a really beautiful place to be in today. Yeah. And um, you're getting ready to perform this evening yes. your um, poetry version of The Handmaid's Tale. Is that right? That is right, yes. Um, so would you like to tell us a bit of the background to... The, that performance and how that's going to work. So obviously it's a long, scary novel. <laughs> it is, In yeah. book form. <laughs> it is. But the version of it you guys are going to do... It's going is. to be abridged. Um, so we first uh, were invited by the Southbank Centre to um, respond to The Handmaid's Tale uh, for the London Literature Festival last October. Okay. Um, and Margaret Atwood was actually speaking and it was the, all the themes were about time travel and dystopian uh, futures or past, which, that, which The Handmaid's Tale um, definitely concerns itself with. So um, how you make a novel and how you break it down and how you respond to it poetically, um, I, I sort of cut up the book. The, the book's um, written in really brilliant sections. Yeah. So I assigned each poet of Octavia a section and they were they were completely allowed to respond if it was like a word or a line um, or an image to anything within that chapter. So each chapter is summed up with a poem. By a different person. By a different person, yes. And and so you're kind of representing the storyline. Yes. Um, do you want to kind of summarise yeah. what happens? Um, yeah, so the way when you retell something poetically, I didn't even know how that was going to work really. Um, but what happens is when they start to get knitted back together again and, and, and when they're put together is that you do start to hear the story and that you can still, I, I hope and I, I do believe it is the case, um, you can still, um, you're included in the story even if you haven't read it, you yeah. can still be taken along with the storyline. Yeah. And um, it's quite a few years old, isn't it, The Handmaid's Tale? I think some people read it for A-level. Yes, yeah, they did. But basically, it's a kind of horrifying description of like what life could be like without feminism and without... It's a dysto dystopian means that everything's gone wrong and it's really horrible, basically. Yes. It's all mm -hmm. based on things that have actually all happened in different times and different cultures, right? Yes, definitely. So why are you doing that book in 2017? What's the kind of resonance or what's the context for that? Um, I think the, scary, the scariest thing uh, for, for me about that novel is the fact that it's imagined in the future. So even though you just you, you said that it's all about um, past uh, cultures and about the subjugation of women and how that happened before, how that could still happen again, I think that's what the scariest thing is. Yeah. Yeah, that we could go backwards. That we can go backwards, yeah, yeah. Um, so in doing it now in 2017, and, and specifically a woman of colour poetry collective responding to it, um, really just does, I think, um, puts a new lens on what we need to be careful of uh, yeah. as a society. Can you tell me a little bit more about Octavia Poetry Collective? Did you start out at the South Bank, or you're quite connected to this place? Is that right? We are, yes. This place feels like home, which is a really beautiful thing to have this as uh, feeling like home. Um, so, yes, we started at the South Bank Centre. Um, B. Collie, um, a brilliant literature coordinator here, agreed for us to have space here. So 
we meet once a month. And did you all, is it all you and people you knew or did it, how did you build up the group and how many of you are there? Um, There are 17 of us. Yeah. Um, They they were all women that I had met on the the London poetry scene um, and whose work I had fallen in love with. Um, And yeah, and then we started to meet here monthly and then we were invited to do Women of the World last year um, just upstairs in the poetry library. Poetry's like a little niche uh, interest in some ways, right? So can you like tell me a little bit about your fans and your (laughs) your supporters and who's interested? It's kind of quite cool, right? Yes, I think it's a niche, but I do think it's growing. I think it's becoming more accessible and I think people are also um, opening up to the possibilities of poetry. Like it's being used in in different ways than it was traditionally. It's not um, something that's um, excluded and only kind of done... Uh, at universities and kind of in some really dry kind in of a recital dusty, dusty, dusty place library. where no one yeah. goes. <laughs> exactly, it's been it's taken into, into galleries, into car parks, in, or it's on adverts now. You know, it's been used to even sell things. Who'd have thought that anyone would buy anything that poetry was selling? But that they are, and it is, and that's uh, that, yeah. I think that's a stunning thing. Wicked, and um, you're going to now perform a little. Uh, section a little taste from the tonight's performance um so do you want yes. to introduce the poem yeah sure and go ahead um so it's called factory setting of the body um and it's a displacement cento and a cento is um a greek word for patchwork and it's a collection of all of our lines uh from all of the poems we'd written uh put together edited um uh, and put together in some orders this is the patchwork of octavia's of Octavia's work. Oh, amazing. Factory setting of the body. An uncut woman is the build-up to a beat drop, the grace before the feast, the beginning of something beautiful. I think the scar healed wrong. I heard skin has a memory of its past life. The council flat you're a girl inside has had its doors fixed now. Fears of someone climbing in while you were trying to dream. Maybe yours cracked like logs on an Indian fire. Rediscover the clothes you tied up in a refuge bag seven years ago. The batteries all dashed from the clock and the blinds shut tight. You can't hide under the bed if your top bunk. Eldest, lay closest to heaven. The doctor needs to open you up. They wonder how you made something of yourself deep under the concrete. Without wincing, you told them of the paths you travelled on Sunday evenings, your body bursting at the seams between your armpits, along your eyelids, take me back, written across your forehead. You have two homes now. They both stay up late. Like a good lover, they whisper things like, maybe you are the monster. Lately, in your mouth, the word, ha, ha. It feels awkward to use your full name. It is extinguishers crying, blood and glitter. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, and that's not, that's not mine. That's, um, yeah, an Octavia patchwork of all of us. 
Oh, well, thanks so much. Are you no, excited you. about the performance? You get nervous? I am super nervous, but excited as well. And they're always so brilliant. I don't know why I worry. The minute they finish, I'm just like, why do you always worry? Why do you, why do, you do this each time? Um, they are so incredible and... Yeah, they'll they'll completely smash it tonight. Oh well, I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, thank you, thank you very much for no. taking the time to come and uh, share your uh, poetry and tell us a bit about yourself. No, thank amazing. you, thank you. Thanks. Women of the World Festival. I'm joined by Callie Thorpe and Stephanie Yaboa, um, who have just literally now come out of their panel talk discussing um, plus size fashionistas and other issues facing kind of plus size people as well as fashion. Um, is that a fair description, ladies? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. <laughs> um, so it was quite um, a kind of emotional, moving, and uplifting talk. Um, it covered quite a lot of subjects. Can you just both introduce yourself and say kind of what your roles are? Um, you go, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Stephanie Boa. Um, I am a plus size style blogger um, and body positivity activist. And I like to discuss things to do with um, diversity and body shapes within plus size fashion, as well as show off what I'm wearing on a day to day basis as well. Some nice outfit picks. Yeah. And, and some serious discussion. And Callie? Um, I'm also a London-based uh, style blogger and I'm also a uh, plus-size fashion columnist for Marie Claire um, and I write about all sorts of subjects but lots of style and travel, beauty, a bit of everything really. Cool, thank you. Um, so when I was listening to the talk I was thinking um, in terms of the fashion industry and the body positive movement that people like yourselves um, have set up your blogs under your own initiative no one's asked you to do that and you've kind of built up organically quite a big community of uh, body positive followers and your kind of readership and it seems to me that like magazines and brands are kind of a bit behind the curve maybe on this issue and they're trying to now catch up a bit and trying to buy into some of your insight and obviously your your big customer base your readers what do you think about that and do you think that your plus size people are getting a bit more exposure in the fashion industry and at the moment i mean i definitely think we're seeing more plus size women in the fashion industry but i think currently we're still seeing the same type of plus size woman in the fashion industry which is the acceptable version of plus size so lots of hourglass figures um, big boobs uh, slim stomachs big bum you know beautifully authentic jessica rabbit style women with what is deemed as like the acceptable plus size but i think we should talk about the positive as well and that, and yes i think more brands are coming on board with the fact that they need to be more relatable and their customer base isn't just uh, a small woman um, all women buy clothes and i think they've realized there is uh, money to be made from selling clothes to said women and um i like to think that the plus size bloggers and writers and activists are encouraging conversation to help brands and magazines and the media follow suit yeah i definitely um, agree with what kelly said i think What's good about us bloggers is that there is an authenticity there, there's a subjectivity there, we kind of cut through the BS, we're very raw, we're very unapologetically us, Um, and I think 
overall consumers kind of relate to us. I think there's the um, relatability as well that we have. Um, so people You're can... You're speaking to people that maybe haven't been sort of targeted or felt yeah. that they're being represented or spoken to in the past. Exactly. Or, you know, people could, somebody can log onto a blog and just see somebody that represents them or somebody that looks like them and say, you know, if this person can wear this outfit, maybe I can too. And it's not just the, you know socially acceptable um, plus size person that can wear it this person who is a size 24 26 can wear it too and I think that's where in terms of our appeal as bloggers that's how we appeal to sort of the mass consumers the mass consumers mass consumers mass media mass media (laughs) so do you think that maybe starting from now that we're going to see kind of maybe a second generation of um, bigger women being represented if you think of people like is it Ashley Graham that was on Vogue? That was Ashley Graham was on Vogue, yeah, that, which that was a great, a big about. step. Also, she was the front of Sports Illustrated. So it's definitely, it's definitely make, there's baby steps happening. I'm, I think we should we should call them baby steps because it's it not, needs to branch yeah, out even more. We're, 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 in terms of progression, there's a long way to go, but I, we shouldn't discredit the things that have happened and how positive those are. When a young girl sees um, someone that isn't, I mean, I guess the growing up in the in the 90s I only saw a, a version of every woman looking like Kate Moss or Britney Spears so and I'm, I'm yeah li- no literally I mean even if you think about all the, te- the teen movies you saw you saw that same kind of vibe all across that and um and I guess now I think the idea is that we, the girls—I mean, talking to girls of all sizes—are able to see like a, a, a variety of different body shapes, so they can just be like, actually, you know, my friend looks like this, my mum looks like this, my sister looks like this. You know, we're all different. All of us come in different shapes and sizes, and we should normalise that because not everyone looks one specific way. So. Exactly. And Steph, as a woman of colour, you were saying in the talk that um, that's kind of even more of an underrepresented demographic. Well, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up in the 90s, the only people that I had to look up to, or person I had to look up to was perhaps, like, Missy Elliott, um, who's in the States. And she was, like, she has the only... amazing style, it must yeah. be I mean, said. she's amazing. Her, she's just so... Legend. She's just such a legend. Like her dance, it her dance moves, her 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 music, and all of that. Um, but she was really the only person I had to look up to, and there was nobody else. And to be in a position now where we've got social media, where we've got bloggers, and we've got you know girls who are 13, 14 years old who now have, I guess, not specifically, you know celebrities but people who are in within within the social media who they can look up to who look like them and say oh this blogger looks like me and I can wear that I think we need to definitely increase that and Keep like Kelly said that. there was a long long way to go in terms of you know being diverse and just everybody feeling represented as well so talking about needing to see more representation and maybe starting on instagram who are some good people to follow right now that you might have recently discovered or you've been a long time fan of who's a good uh inspo Um, follow on instagram there's a lady from detroit called leah vernon um who is amazing she's amazing yeah she's um She's Muslim, she's black, she's she's really representing for like plus size um, women who are also Muslim as well. Um, she was recently over here for a few days and I got to meet her and she's just an incredible positive woman and her dress de- her dress sense is just completely like out of this world. She's amazing, so she's like a really good person 
I think that's really making waves as well yeah I, I, was, I actually was going to say I forget the other um, girl, amazing girl's name I, I completely forget but she's I think she's Danish you know the one that dresses in power suits all the time why can't I remember her name? Um, uh, dressing outside the box. Dressing outside the box. Yeah. She is absolutely amazing. amazing. Like she does, she does um, plus size from like a masculine, masculine yeah, like really aspect, adro- androgynous. Yeah. And she just absolutely kills it. Every time I go on her page, I'm like, oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about the ASOS model that is um, on there. Brielle, her name is. Is that Brielle? Brielle. Okay, She's actually in the UK now shooting with ASOS, and she is such an amazing, lovely person. I did a campaign with her last year um, in New York for. Miami with oh, yeah. Evans and she was on the she was a, the model used and she is a black plus size model and she's just I think she's making waves in the industry she's just beautiful um, and yeah it's just really inspiring also um, just lots of body positive um, people like body positive panda she's really cool well, I've she's seen lovely. her she's got rainbow hair haven't she yeah, yeah she's, she's really so sweet lovely as well. so sweet oh, and so, she so really sweet. champions like speaking out about subjects people don't feel comfortable about and she's yeah. not a person that's body positive to only to an extent she actually talks about body positivity across the board and um, yeah she's actually ace so I really like her as well sounds great and um, very very important subject we haven't tackled yet which obviously is shopping yeah Yeah. we're coming into a tiny bit of spring weather and a bit of rays of sunshine so what are you both looking to add to your baskets um, right now mesh a lot of mesh I love mesh I I love my mesh hot mesh yeah I'm in that sort of period at the moment where I'm just trying to be unapologetically me and just show off as much as me as possible and just be proud in in my weight and things like that and I feel like yeah I just love a bit of mesh man I just because this is a this is a podcast so you can't unfortunately see See, what Steph is wearing but she's um, head to toe in black with some black jeans and a mesh bodysuit under a kind of nice long line leopard print jacket so she's pretty working it here at the South Bank thank you I am loving deconstructed items in gingham I'm actually I just I I just bought some from gingham from Uh, ASOS as well (laughs) I got it in I put it in my basket literally as it went out but I really like gingham and I guess I'm still really into frills at the moment and oversized yeah. like sleeves and like exaggerated shapes mm, bell sleeves um, are really bell cool. sleeves and, yeah. Uh, yeah and I, I'm really really into mules at the moment like I, yeah. I just want to get lots of coloured mules um, to wear yeah, lovely um, and maybe some like gold or silver yeah ones, something really, like a statement sort of piece but I love spring springtime like clothing because you can sort of like just wear a light jacket April yeah. 23rd just wear <laughs> like, a light mac and uh, leave your puffer jacket yeah, at home leave exactly. your hats and scarves at home no, exactly. Oh, well, ladies, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure to meet both of you and chat to you. And uh, thank you so much for being here. No, thanks oh, for thank having us. So we love ASOS. Team ASOS girl. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're back at Women of the World, and Annie and I have just managed to grab Debris Stevenson, who we're excited about. Debris, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Women of the World? Because I know you'll explain it better than us, and it's very, very cool. So I'm doing a special one-off edition version of my show, Poet in the Corner, which is called Gal in the Corner, especially for WOW. Um, And Poet in the Corner basically is an ode to grime and to Dizzy Rascal, exploring the poetics of grime and breaking down the structure and telling the story of grime in terms of my life, becoming a poet because I found grime at 15 when it was being created around me, becoming a poet, then kind of maybe realising, I lived in Nottingham at the time, I needed to go back home and re-find grime. Um, because it's 
quintessentially where I found the tools to be who I wanted to be and find all the successes I found, much to my own struggle at times. And it's exploring all the female aspects of the show and, and of Grime, really. So I've got several female collaborators, MCs, producers, poets, and an amazing DJ. So it's kind of pop rave, pop poetry show, pop Grime gig, all in one and all female. Annie here is a recent grime convert. Aren't I was just you? about yeah. to say this is so great because, I, yeah, convert. I'm like grime super fan now, so I need to learn all about this. I need to know about the history. I need to know okay. about why why grime now. Why is it having such a big resurgence? Ooh, um, that's a big that's a big question, really. And it, you know, it's a, you know, I can't talk for grime as a whole thing. No, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I can talk in terms of my journey growing up in East, where like the scene between East London and Essex between like 2000 and one and 2008 um, when I was at secondary school and you know it being you know I went to a school where the only thing we got the highest in was truancy I saw a boy's ear get bitten off at the bus stop at my school success wasn't something we felt that we had ownership over yet suddenly you came into school one day you know and people were saying you know Kano was your friend's cousin you know people were saying things your friends were saying people were articulating your community your world and you know what like Garage and Jungle and Drum and Bass, they had been doing that, but I think there was a quintessential rage to Grime, which really was attuned to definitely my life experiences. And, you know, I was I was angry about a lot of things and I needed someone to articulate that for me. And I needed someone to give me the tools for to articulate my experiences and also to give me the confidence to define success for myself, you know, because it wasn't something that felt openly available to me. I didn't really have friends for a long time and actually Grime was my access to cool as much as it was my access to anything else but it also you know so gave me particularly Dizzy Rascal's album which so clearly articulated so many narratives and then you know one of Mercury and then when the album actually came out and I didn't have to listen to it on crappy recordings you know from pirate radio stations anymore I could hear those lyrics crystal clear it was it was insanely empowering and you know sort of going on that journey where maybe people started getting signed maybe grime stopped being grime for a bit and I think young people are angry again you know, in maybe a more global way. And all these, you know, the veterans sort of said, you know what, actually, this stuff is still important, you know, making their own labels, making success for themselves. So all those other, I guess, little debris around the country that are, you know, those other boys in the corners, gals in the corners that feel isolated, that feel like they don't have a voice, that feel like success is not available to them, suddenly I've been giving that toolkit again. And actually are creating a network that isn't just exclusive to London anymore because, you know, Grime really did move into the regions as well, you know, when it sort of receded in London. But now it's international. Just got back from Trinidad. I'll put on Stormzy on YouTube in my workshop and I've got 16-year-olds spitting all his bars better than me. You know, (laughs) I've gone to, like... um, regional universities sort of right you know in the trees and beautiful foliage of Beirut and they're telling me that Skepta changed their lives forever you know so this this stuff is going global and I think there maybe there is an an international rage and I think rage is something that isn't it's not vented enough in the arts and it's not you know rage comes from the same place as fear and sadness often but maybe we're not given the tools to process it as as well Um, so yeah in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I've been schooled. Annie Grime Queen. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Kano and Stormzy, and obviously Dizzy's been a really, yeah, really yeah. big influence to you. Um, but you've also been working with loads of amazing females. Yeah. Is that really important to you to showcase that Grime is accessible to girls as well? Yeah, I think, you know, so important. I think, um, weirdly, like, it's been really interesting having conversations about WOW because for so long, I, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but I almost wasn't aware that I was a woman. I was... 
female and I guess you know um, I'm someone that you know even I'm, I'm working really hard at the moment to ge- use gender neutral pronouns and it's you know gender is a complex complex thing um, and I think but something that really so I just when I got when I was in Trinidad I um, I was doing this tour of 10 schools performing one of the songs that I did at WOW which is sort of I did half of that and half of WOW um, to hundreds and hundreds of school students in Trinidad and the amount of, of, of young women coming up to me afterwards a lot of women I'm meeting were saying I'm scared to walk wherever and you know catcalling massive massive issue can't walk anywhere without someone shouting something offensive at you somewhere and all these literally hundreds of girls coming up to me afterwards and talking to me and then sort of maybe realising the responsibility on my shoulders in terms of that and then realising actually um, you know I ran my own company from six, for six years from when I was 20 I was a lecturer at 21 at Nottingham University I've worked in 24 countries now and actually realising for a long time I maybe asexualised myself because I felt like my femininity was something that inherently undermined my leadership and my skill you know which is something a lot of research backs up as well in terms of a qualified woman coming across as like bullshit and overbearing as opposed to skilled if she was perceived as, as male you know um, and yeah actually realising wow you know and you're sort of feeling like you know I can be sexy I can be powerful I can be confident I can be vulnerable I can be scared I can be all those things um, as a woman and I think female grime artists you know people like um, Steph Don, like just creating such complex ma- narratives now people like um, you know Nadia Rose um, Lady Leisha I just think really showing a different kind of female leadership and you know the, the men in the industry being so behind them in that I yeah. think you know and then being feminine and being you know being able to be masculine and being able to be powerful and subtle and playful I think is so fantastic and the performance that you've got coming up later, can you give a shout out to some of the people that are going to be involved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. I really want to give a special um, shout out actually to Bams, um, one of the producers that's worked really hard. She's actually not in the country at the moment, but she produced one of the tracks, especially for our also Yazus, an upcoming producer that produced one of the tracks. We've got AG, who actually was recently uh, mentioned as one of the um, seven most influential women in grime, an amazing, amazing DJ. Um, and then we've got, um, I'm doing a collaboration with Tremendous from Birmingham, an amazing poet and lyricist from Birmingham. And then actually um, Asha X from Leicester and Bridie, also known by her um, rap battle derivative, Brizzling. <laughs> um, and actually Asha and Bridie have, have never performed in this way before. And I've been working with them a lot. And that's a big part of this project is working with artists at the top of their career, but also really helping, you know, um, MCs move into poetry, poets move into lyricism and really seeing actually... Um, Part of that for me is about recognising the the grime lyricism has as much academic weight as mm-hmm. poetry, you know, and using my academic background and my knowledge of that to say that and say, actually, look, a poet can do this. There's not as big a jump as you might think between these two things, you know. So what, what's the difference between why are you selecting that thing to go in this AQA anthology and giving that an A grade and not these other things? You know, and I think that's a really important blurring for me because the, you know, the academic barriers often was the difference between someone going to jail and someone going to university where I grew up, you know, and that really vexes me, to be perfectly frank. So I'm trying to break down some of those barriers with this work. But they were, they're going to be fan- absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed working with them. So exciting. Um, and Debrie, you're going to give us a little sneak peek, am I right? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to introduce the bit that you're going to do? Yeah. 
Um, I'll do a section. This, this is the song that I'm doing with Asha, and obviously it's usually on um, an instrumental um, by Raps Katai, and usually with Asha. So I'll just do a little bit of a section from a song called Kuno Ichi, which means female ninja. Um, yes. <laughs> which is the track that I developed. It's actually the only one not based on the poet in the corner's infrastructure, but it's the one that I developed for um, for WOW and for the um, gender-based violence tour that I did in Trinidad. So I feel like it's particularly on topic. Okay, let's hear it. First things first, if you touch my arm, that's why I put my left wrist opportunist. What? Are you a bear? Am I your tuna farm? No. Don't swipe at me. No. Don't DM me. No. If I say I got a man, don't question, question, question me. Like, no. Don't swipe at me. No. Don't DM me. No. If I say I got a man, don't question, question, question me. If I say I got a man and I'm lying to you, what does that mean? I am group. Your chat is looser than a Wellington boot. Your face more offensive than Donald Trump's root. Like, don't make me draw for the compact mirror by face. Combat me, symmetric ninjas. Combat you, hypertensive, battered in combat. Who do that to the children? What court would even let you see them? What court would even let me see them? Shot in these jeans like it's desperate season. Ask you okay when you've bust your reason. Call it a nut, nuts ain't in season. Shout avalanche, more like sneezing. You say D's loyal, I say treason. No, don't swear, put me, no. Don't DM me, no. If I say I got a man, don't question, question, question me. Like, no, don't swipe at me, no. Don't DM me, no. If I say I got a man, don't question, question, question me. Like, why would you ask to lips me without eye contact, G? You claim impotency, blatantly six youths deep. And that's the ones you didn't keep. You say condoms ain't cheap. Under 25B. That means they're free. You say just say no. You say go with the flow. You say you don't like toes. I say what are those? No. Don't swipe at me. No. Don't DM me. No. If I say I got a man, don't question, question, question me. If it was easy TV to get my digits, if any man could jump right on it. If slap patience means I'm longing it, so be it. My time ticks in RAM, so I gotta have a filter. Face first, my poorest feature. Nah, not that, not saying it's weak. Our resume crowded without crowd pleasers. <laughs> oh, God, stop it. <laughs> oh my that was great. Yeah. That, the levels in here have just gone like. Yeah. I can't, there's also loads of passers by just kind of watching. You've got a little fan group over thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you so it's much. Thank to you. Meet you. Thank you so much. Have a great wow. And you. <laughs> Okay, so Shan, I feel like my grime education has just gone up a gear. Yeah, Annie Chin, grime professor. That title is within reach. Yeah, I'm going to claim it. Um, so let's catch up a bit. You have been getting to a couple of talks that I haven't managed to make it to. Um, you just went to one that you really enjoyed. Yeah, I went to a really cool one, which was called Badass Feminists from History. And was that another panel discussion? Yeah, it was a panel talk. Um, shall I run through who was on the panel, yeah. please? Okay, so it's all kind of broadcasters, journalists, but they had Kira Cock. So she's the Guardian opinion editor, and she's recently written a book kind of on that subject where she's explaining the history of like some feminists you might not have heard of. Right. Um, then 
there was an amazing lady called Shugra Ahmed, who is also a journalist, but she's also the first female elected head of a UK Muslim NGO. Okay. It's pretty cool. Um, Fee Rowlett was kind of chairing it. She has, you guessed it, also written a book. Everyone's written a book. <laughs> yes, hers was on Mary Wollstonecraft, who's a very badass feminist from history. Um, but the extract that I wanted to play is, do you know Kathy Letts? Tell me about Kathy Letts. Okay, so she was also on the panel. She's this very hilarious Australian-British comedian, and everyone basically had to talk about their ultimate badass feminist from history. Right. And she chose Mae West, who was this very glamorous big celebrity in around the 1920s, kind of like a precursor to Marilyn Monroe. Anyway, she talks about her with just such amazing wit, and it's super inspiring. So this is her telling you why you should love Mae West. Yes, Mae West. Her wit was so sharp, it should have been registered at police headquarters as a lethal weapon. Um, The woman was blessed with this minestrone mix of talent. She was a comedian, singer, dancer, playwright, director, actress, scriptwriter, producer, you know, sex goddess, we know that, and a novelist. If this isn't enough to make any other writer impale herself on her pen... May was also a feminist who makes Lady Gaga look like Julie Andrews, an intellectual who rubs shoulder pads with the Roosevelt. I mean, she really did pluck her highbrows. And a civil libertarian who went to jail in defence of freedom of expression. You probably didn't know that. To Capital, she was a brilliant businesswoman who insisted on creative control. She refused to sign any Hollywood contract unless it contained a clause that the completed film must in every way be to her satisfaction. Which is unheard of now. I mean, today, when the only creative muscle exercised by cinema stars is their controlled top pantyhose, and screenwriters are the most put-upon of literary prostitutes, you can only marvel at a woman who invented the droit morale in her contracts with Paramount for all the films she wrote. But what makes May West so fascinating, or fascinating, as she would say, (laughs) apart from the fact that she left school at 16. I mean, I left... uh, It's 12. I mean, I left school at 16. I'm I'm an autodidact. Clearly, it's a word I taught myself. But like (laughs) May, you know, the only examination I've ever passed is my cervical smear test. So she endeared herself to me because of uh, no education. Um, But also, and the fact she left school at 12... And yet she accomplished all of this in an era when women were meant to be no more than decorative and domestic. I mean, Mae West's domesticity was limited to the sowing of wild oats and the barbecuing of sacred cows, entire herds. I'm going to say it. Wow. 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 What an episode from wow. We need a wow count of how many times we've said wow this episode. Yeah, a lot. Well, I think it's been a really good one, right? It's been a great first episode back for the new series. Yes, season two. Very excited, very inspired. Mm-hmm. We've got a long list of thank a yous. A really long list of thank yous. I mean, first, thanks to everyone who told us who their woman of the world is. That was super inspiring. Um, thanks to, to Gemma, to Tanya, to Debris, who all spoke to us and did little performances for us. Thank you to B, Collie, who um, introed everything to WOW and gave us so much detail. Thank you to Callie, Stephanie and Rachel, who Naomi spoke to. 
Yes. Um, you can find way more about Women of the World Festival because it's not just their London festival. They do stuff all over the country, all over the world. Um, for the London one, look up WOW on Southbank Centre or you can follow them on social media. There's a hashtag WOW London. London doesn't have the vowels. So no vowels wow with that LDN. London. Or, Annie, what's the Twitter? There's a Twitter handle. The Twitter is WOW Tweet UK. Yes. We're back, so if you like us, don't forget to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. So remember to tune in next episode for more from These Four Walls. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.